0: This is Barbara Ramirez with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with pharmacist Courtney Lovato from the New Mexico Department of Health. Courtney Lovato was born and raised in Santa Fe. She attended the UNM College of Pharmacy. Courtney worked in the private sector for several years, and in 2019, just a few months before the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, transitioned to the New Mexico Department of Health. Courtney Lovato, welcome to Generation Justice. Hi, thank you so much for having me on today. Of course, we're so glad to have you here on DJ. Would you please tell us more about yourself?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was born and raised here in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and uh, attended, as you mentioned, the UNM College of Pharmacy. And in two thousand and eighteen, I had the opportunity to come work with New Mexico Department of Health. And boy, was that uh, jumping into the frying pan right before before the COVID pandemic and I've been so grateful to work with such a wonderful team at Department of Health. Uh, We've been involved in a lot of very interesting projects throughout the pandemic. Um, New Mexico has been very focused on health equity and one of the projects that we were involved in was um, making sure that when COVID vaccine was first approved and we had such a limited quantity that we could get it to all of our hospitals uh, with, the vaccine having such uh, rigid storage requirements. So we set up a a distribution center and were able to rapidly um, scale that down as it became more readily available. And then I I transitioned into assisting with COVID treatments as those became available. And um, boy, uh, we are very lucky at the advancements uh, that they have made in medications and vaccines. Uh, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, it has been really uh, spectacular seeing the advancements that have been made uh, to get us vaccines so quickly and get us such effective treatments. So I'm very happy to talk to you about those today.
0: Thank you so much, Courtney. We're so grateful to have you and thank you for sharing more about those vaccine distribution plans and and I'm excited to learn more about the treatments in a little bit. So. Could you please tell us about the history of vaccines? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And um, the uh, first vaccine uh, was really uh, for smallpox. It was uh, Dr. Edward Jenner in back in the 1796. Uh, but he what he'd noticed was that milkmaids weren't getting smallpox. Uh, that they were the only ones in the community that uh, were immune from smallpox. And he put together it's because they they were experienced. They had col- uh, cowpox. And so uh, the very first uh, vaccination that we had was when. Uh, Dr. Edward Jenner gave a 13-year-old boy, exposed him to cowpox so that he wouldn't have uh, smallpox, which is more severe. And and since then, uh, we have a number of different types of vaccines that have become available and uh, technologies that have changed in order to improve the immune response to vaccines and decrease the symptoms that patients experience when they receive
0: a vaccine. Thank you so much for providing that background and history of vaccines. Thank you so much for that information. You've talked about how the vaccine works. What is the difference between the vaccines and the booster shots?
1: What we have is a um, primary series. So any vaccine that you receive, uh, for example, Pfizer, it's, it's two doses is your primary series. And then um, a booster shot is an additional shot that is given uh, several months after you've completed your primary series. The booster vaccine helps to increase your immune response because what they were finding is that COVID vaccines were were very effective. Uh, During the initial studies, uh, the Pfizer vaccine, for example, was uh, over 90% effective in reducing uh, severe symptoms serious illness, hospitalization, and death. With time, they were finding that the immune response was decreasing. And so it essentially primes the immune system, helps it to remember um, the COVID-19 vaccine and boost that immune response so that you can have a very strong and timely um, immune response. And this is important to note that individuals uh, may have a different primary series. If you're immune compromised, your primary series for Pfizer vaccine is actually three doses and not just two doses. And people who are immune compromised are now eligible for a second booster dose because immune compromised individuals are at the greatest risk for serious illness and hospitalization and are at risk for not having as good of immune response to the COVID vaccines. And so they really, really need to come in and get additional booster vaccines. Um, In addition to those who are immune compromised, um, people over the age of 50 years also do not produce as strong of immune response to vaccinations. They're also eligible for not only one, but two boosters.
0: And so they should come in for their second booster vaccination. Thank you, Courtney. I'm curious, who is eligible for the first booster shot?
1: Absolutely. If you are eligible for a second booster dose and you have already received your first booster, um, you should come in at least four months after for your second uh, booster dose. That's people over the age of 50, and those who are immune compromised that are eligible for that second booster dose.
0: Thank you for sharing that information. What do we know so far about the COVID-19 variants? What is a variant and how does a variant evolve? COVID,
1: uh, any, any virus, is constantly evolving. What viruses are very good at is quickly replicating and many viruses are RNA viruses. So uh, when you have an RNA virus, it's not very good at doing spell check and you get um, small mutations in the DNA sequence. Sometimes those mutations are bad for the virus in that they will uh, cause the virus to be Uh, less virulent. It it may not be good at infecting people. It might actually uh, prevent the virus uh, from forming. And usually those types of mutations die out. If there is a mutation in a virus that provides a benefit to the virus, it makes it spread faster. Uh, It helps it replicate faster. It it helps it in any way, then those sort of uh, mutations are usually incorporated and and you start to see them become more prevalent. What we currently have is the Omicron variant, and the reason that that variant is so successful is that it spreads very easily. And so um, that's kind of the the background as to how a variant is produced and, and how it spreads. When we look at variants and whether a variant impacts a vaccine immunity, it it has a lot to do with the spike protein. As I mentioned earlier, all of our vaccines are creating or targeting a spike protein on the COVID-19 virus. And that's how the the immune system is recognizing the COVID-19 virus is by creating antibodies for that spike protein. If you have mutations in the virus's genetic code that cause it to have a lot of mutations on that spike protein, that can really impact how well our vaccines work against uh, the COVID-19 virus. And so, uh, with each new variant, uh, they, they are constantly evaluating our vaccine's efficacy for that variant. Um, when vaccines were first created, um, Pfizer was over 90% effective, and I believe Moderna is over 92% effective. What we did see with Omicron is that there was a slight drop in the efficacy of the vaccines against the Omicron variant because of the mutations um, affecting that spike protein however uh, covid19 vaccines are still very effective at preventing severe disease and preventing hospitalization and death we do see because of those mutations and the decreased efficacy on the vaccines that some people may experience breakthrough cases in particular with omicron variant because they're not getting as strong as an immune response. We're not having as much efficacy, but it's still very important to get vaccinated because the vaccines are still very good at preventing serious illness, hospitalization, and death.
0: You mentioned the Omicron variant. Are there any other current variants? What do we know about them and what are the concerns about those variants?
1: Absolutely. Um, So uh, the CDC actually has a a variant tracker web page. They are tracking a large number of variants across the world. And in addition to uh, the major variants, they actually, they track the sub-lineages of these variants. So there's quite a few variants um, that are, are being tracked by the CDC. And they also track the proportion of the variants in the United States, um, and they use modeling to determine which variants are the most predominant. I'm looking at our region, uh, which includes uh, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma, and Texas, and what we are seeing primarily is the Omicron variant. And they are tracking the, the sub-lineages because those sub-lineages may have, especially when it comes to treatment, may have different responses and to the antibodies or may have different efficacy in terms of, of vaccine. Uh, what's concerning about the Omicron variant is how quickly it spreads. Um, so we should continue to take precautions, washing hands, wearing masks, especially in large crowds. I know that um, everyone, including me, is ready for COVID to be over, Um, but it's still important, especially when you're in environments with a lot of people, to take precautions, um, to wear your mask, uh, wash your hands, to get your booster dose if if you're eligible for it. Um, The good thing about Omicron is that it is a milder form Of the disease and less people are seeming to get severely ill or
0: hospitalized. And where can people go to stay up to date with those variants? There are a couple
1: of different resources. Um, They can go to the CDC's um, webpage. They have a COVID variant tracker. It, It produces very great images so that you can see what the predominant variants are and how that's changing. The state also has uh, wonderful resources on our cb.nmhealth.org webpage. Uh, We have on the upper right-hand corner, uh, you can find our epidemiology department reports and those have our case counts. It has variants of concern um, and that's great because it's specific to New Mexico.
0: Awesome. Would you please share about the available COVID-19 treatments and therapeutics? Yeah, absolutely. There are many COVID-19
1: treatments available. If for some reason uh, you have to be hospitalized, uh, the hospital does have uh, treatments there. But more importantly, um, treatments are available that you can take from home, that you can take at first sign of your symptom. Um, It is important if you have COVID-19 or you think that you have symptoms of COVID-19 that you get tested as soon as possible. Because if you test positive for COVID, you should talk to your doctor about receiving um, treatment. Oral treatments are available and they can be taken from the convenience of your home. And they're very effective. Um, They're over 88% effective in reducing hospitalization and death. However, they have to be taken within five days of your symptom onset. So you don't have a lot of time. Um, You shouldn't wait until you feel really ill to ask your doctor about what treatment is right for you. The most effective treatment is called Paxlovid. Paxlovid, as I mentioned, is 88% effective. In addition to Paxlovid, because that might not be right for everyone, there's a number of drug interactions that it may have. So if you are on other medications, um, that may not be the medication for you. There's also a monoclonal antibody called betilovumab that's available at most of the outpatient areas of the hospital. Additionally, there's another oral medication called molnupiravir. Molnupiravir does not have drug interactions. It is only 30% effective at reducing hospitalization or death, but it is another available treatment option. It is not a medication for those Uh, Who are pregnant, or if you're planning to become pregnant, is not a medication for you. COVID 19 treatment isn't just for those who think that they're at very high risk of being seriously ill. You, You don't have to be very feeble to receive these medications. They are for those patients who are at risk of severe disease, but that includes people with asthma, that includes people with diabetes people who are overweight. It includes people who are 50 years or older. So a lot of New Mexicans qualify for these life-saving treatments.
0: Corny, how can the New Mexico community access these treatments, including those who do not have an active primary care doctor?
1: The New Mexico community can access um, COVID-19 treatment, vaccine, and testing information on our webpage, cvnmhealth.org. There on our main page, there are three windows. If you need access to testing, it has a number of testing providers. If you need a vaccination and you're eligible for a COVID-19 booster dose, or you've never received a vaccine and you wanna get vaccinated today, um, you can also go on that webpage to find a list of providers. Um, also your local pharmacies, all of the local pharmacies at this point have COVID-19 vaccine. And to your question, uh, COVID-19 treatment has a section on our homepage and we have a number of resources for patients. We have a list of providers who offer telehealth services. So even if you're in a rural area or you don't want to leave your home um, because you have COVID-19, uh, you can get seen uh, via telehealth service. Uh, we also have a list of providers where you can be seen in the office um, who accept COVID-19 patients who don't have primary care physicians. You prefer to have a face-to-face interaction. And we also have uh, providers that offer test-to-treat, which is a program where uh, they will provide you a COVID-19 test. If you're positive, they'll evaluate you for potential treatment options and then actually give you your treatment at the office, a one-stop shop all of those resources are very easily accessible. That webpage or homepage is cv.nmhealth.org.
0: Thank you for offering those resources. Courtney, can you talk about long COVID? What is long COVID and what are the impacts of long COVID? Absolutely, Um,
1: uh, long COVID, is when you continue to have symptoms of COVID-19 or um, long-lasting healthcare implications as a result of your COVID-19 illness. It is more common in those who have had severe COVID-19 disease and those who are unvaccinated, although anybody can have long COVID. Um, Some examples of long COVID are, continued difficulty breathing. Um, Some people will have a loss of smell for a prolonged period of time, and it may be weeks, it may be months, it may be indefinitely. Um, Some of the greatest impacts of long COVID are um, sometimes kidney impairment, uh, heart complications, long-term breathing issues. The best way to protect yourself from long COVID is to get a COVID-19 vaccine. As I mentioned before, severe COVID-19 disease and those who are unvaccinated are the greatest risk factors for having long COVID. And so the best thing that you can do to protect yourself from this is to get a COVID-19 vaccine if you're unvaccinated or get a booster if you're eligible for one.
0: What resources are available to those who are experiencing long COVID, and where can they go to find more information?
1: Resources that are available for patients who have long COVID include the CDC webpage. The CDC has a webpage that they update regularly with information regarding long COVID or post-COVID symptoms. If someone is experiencing what they believe to be long COVID, it is very important that they be evaluated by their primary care physician. So if you believe that you have long-term COVID, please talk to your primary care physician, or if you do not have a primary care physician, please look at that same page that I referenced earlier, the CVNMHealth.org, and reach out to one of our providers uh, regarding your
0: ongoing symptoms so that they can connect to you to care. Thank you so much, Corney. You've talked about the importance of vaccines and treatments available for those who get COVID. After someone has received the full dose of the vaccine, and the booster shots that they qualify for. What are the health safety precautions that you still need to do? Uh, It's still recommended
1: that you wash your hands regularly, um, that you wear masks when you're in large crowds or that you avoid large crowds, especially with a COVID-19 surge. This is most important to take these healthcare precautions or these safety precautions For those who are at high risk of severe disease, so if you are older, over the age of 50 years, if you have um, multiple um, disease states, conditions, medical conditions, or if you're immune suppressed for any reason, it's especially important that you wash your hands, you wear a mask, that you avoid large gatherings. COVID-19 vaccine is, is very effective at reducing the risk for serious illness and hospitalization, but it, it's important that you take those safety precautions as uh, to avoid uh, getting
0: COVID 19 disease. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Thank you so much
1: for having me on today. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak to
0: you and to share information
1: regarding COVID-19 vaccines and treatments.
0: Thank you so much. We're really grateful to have your expertise as a pharmacist here on Generation Justice and really grateful for all the hard work that the New Mexico Department of Health have been doing in distributing the vaccine and, and all the resources that are available for New Mexicans. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much. Absolutely. We have three COVID-19 vaccines that are approved in the United States. The first is the Pfizer COVID-19 product, which is a two-dose primary series. Next is Moderna, which is also a two-dose primary series. These are mRNA vaccines, and they're very effective vaccines against COVID-19 disease. The third vaccine that we have available is the Janssen vaccine. This vaccine was initially only one dose primary, um, but um, because of reduced effectiveness against Omicron and additional studies, it is recommended that those who received a Janssen vaccine receive a booster with an mRNA vaccine, such as Pfizer or Moderna. At this time, I would recommend that those who are considering getting vaccinated consider either a Pfizer or Moderna product. We also have exciting news. Uh, The FDA is going to be evaluating a fourth COVID-19 vaccine for approval. And that's uh, Novavax. It is not approved at this time, but they will be evaluating it now in June. Um, And that's another two-dose series. It has a different mechanism of action. It is a spike protein vaccine. And this is a great option for those who are holding off on receiving a COVID-19 vaccine because they're concerned about having... Symptoms on the second dose. Sometimes when people get their second dose of their COVID vaccine, they might not feel their best. They might feel tired. They may feel achy. They might feel like they're having a fever. And I know some people that are not wanting to get vaccinated because of that reason. During studies uh, on the Novavax, it was found that even though you might experience symptoms on your first or second dose of the Novavax vaccine, that they're typically less severe than with the Pfizer or Moderna product. So if you have been holding off on getting a vaccine because you don't want the post-vaccine fever, uh, chills, day, day that you're not feeling well then Novavax is the product for you. But really, I I can't encourage you enough to please receive a COVID-19 vaccine. This is the most powerful tool that we have at fighting COVID-19 and at preventing COVID-19 illness, hospitalization, and death.